What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Val Kadiev is a serial entrepreneur with $100 plus million in profits and exits. He has founded and led four successful startups to hyper growth that centered around digital media across various aspects of the industry. He also recently has started to get heavily into real estate as well. This conversation was fascinating. Val talks about building and selling companies. He talks about structuring a holding company and how he hires individuals to run each company. And then we talk about why he's heavily investing in real estate as well. Val's somebody who you may not know, but likely will grow to really appreciate. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Mode. UK Bitcoin investors, listen up. Mode is an app that allows you to buy, earn, and grow Bitcoin effortlessly. Not only is it an easy and safe way to buy and hold Bitcoin, Mode also allows you to pay and receive up to 10% Bitcoin cash back for free from its growing list of online partner brands. For a limited period of time, Mode is offering 0% trading fees on all Bitcoin buys and sells. That's right. You can buy and sell Bitcoin and pay no trading fees. The offer ends at the end of this year, so hurry up and download the app now. I have to say, personally, I think the company behind this app is very, very impressive. They're an FCA registered. They're listed on a public exchange in both the LSE and the OTCQB market here in the U.S. They choose to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Big deal. They were the first U.K.-based company on publicly traded to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And they are also piloting a Bitcoin payroll product to pay U.K. employees in Bitcoin. So if you are in the U.K., I recommend you go check out Mode right now. Their app's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. You can download the app now and start buying Bitcoin with 0% trading fees today. If you're not in the UK, go check them out on the public stock exchange as well. Next up is MyBookie. Cryptocurrency is the future, so don't get left in the past. You can bet with MyBookie, and you can get in the game now. To get you kickstarted with crypto, you can use promo code POMP to double your first crypto deposit at MyBookie. The best part is that MyBookie accepts well-known cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and others, so you can bet and withdraw with crypto. The NFL playoffs are around the corner, and this week, the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will face off in a potential Super Bowl preview. Both teams sit one win away from earning the top spot in their respective conference, but in this high-stakes game, bet the Bucks money line. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code POMP. Head over to MyBookie today, place your bets, and watch the sparks fly with UFC 269 as well. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Just go to mybookie.website today. Last but not least, if you are looking for a job in the cryptocurrency industry, whether you're coming from the finance world, the technology world, wherever you're coming from, you're looking for a job, make sure that you go to pompcryptojobs.com. Pompcryptojobs.com. We've got hundreds of open roles there from the industry's top companies. There's been over a couple hundred people that have already been hired this year. One company's hired almost 40 people this year off pompcryptojobs.com. So if you're looking for a job, go to pompcryptojobs today and you will find the best open roles that you have to offer. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Val, what's going on, man? 
What up, Pump? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be on the show. I, I'm, I even shaved for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for you to be here because I feel like you got a crazy story that not a lot of people know. So hopefully we can change that. Let's first start with uh, you've basically built how many companies at this point into hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue uh, in total without taking any venture capital. Just basically you self-funded all these companies. How many companies have you built? Uh, in total, these companies probably, oh man, I, I mean, companies I built, I lost count. Right now, I control um, five. I've sold a few before that. Um, every business has been funded by me. No no outside investors. You know you're a so, boss? Um, you, you know you're a boss when somebody asks you how many businesses you built, and you say, well, I control five. <laughs> <laughs> the, I have controlling stakes, I should say. I, mean, I, don't, uh, I have partners, I have co-founders, I have amazing managers, CEOs who like manage all these businesses. Yep. I, I try to stay out of, uh, I try to be just a CEO of one, you know, that I focus on because I just have to build something. All right. I so, to take off three years, but like that wasn't for me. What, what is the structure that you use to all this? Do you have like a holding company and a bunch of smaller companies underneath it that are kind of like subsidiaries? Like walk me through how you structure this. Yeah, I have a holding company that holds all those um, uh, other companies, you know, uh, I found it. Um, you know, I also have like a service company that kind of manages. I try not to like do a lot of transactions inside the holding company just to keep things nice and clean. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it kind of all flows through from one and, and it comes into all the, all those other guys, you know, I, I come in when there's like, there's a stressful environment or like, you know, like when COVID hit, I'll, I'll get involved in pretty much every one of my companies, try to get them, um, you know, if I have to finance them or, do whatever I got to do to, you know, pull the, pull the strings and, and, okay. and make sure that nothing falls apart. All right. So now walk me through this. I got a lot of questions because actually uh, we may have more similarities than you realize, but uh, with this holding company, when you come up with a subsidiary, you come up with the idea, somebody else comes up with the idea, sometimes either one, like, like walk me through how you create one of these subsidiaries. Like uh, does somebody pitch you or are you going and finding someone saying, Hey, I want to start this business. Come help me. Pretty much every one of them was uh, an idea that came from me or me and my co-founder that we, you know, agreed on and kind of to move forward. There was one situation um, I was pretty deep into fintech, um, like marketplace lending. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, you know, I I I, uh, I found somebody. I was actually looking for to put up put in some of my own money, and I found somebody like the guy just started his fund. Had like five million under management, and I'm like, I'll put a bunch of money in, but I want a stake in the company. I'll buy a stake, um, you know. And uh, so that's that's a that's a perfect example of, of a fund that went from five to like several hundred million uh, dollars within like three years. That um, I'm I'm uh, I'm a partner in, but I wasn't a founder. Uh, that's primarily in capital management, you know. So we like manage a bunch of different uh, funds in in there. Very boring funds. It's not like the fun side shit you do uh, with crypto. All right. I got a whole bunch of questions. I went back through your Twitter account. It's like the best thing ever. I love your Twitter account because you tweet about just high signal things. You don't shit post like me and my brothers or fool around on the internet. It's all high quality stuff. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, when I first came across you was this real estate thread. And you basically said, you know, look, I'm taking inspiration from this other person. Uh, and so I'm going to share your experience in real estate. And so you've got Poise Property Group, uh, which I think yeah. is the, the name of the, uh, the real estate entity. And it launched four years ago. 
And then you're like, oh yeah, by the way, we've acquired and developed six properties worth nearly a hundred million dollars, <laughs> which is a lot of work to do in four years. So walk us through kind of how do you think about real estate and why did you start a company four years ago in this space? Yeah, so I was super under invested, under allocated towards real estate all, all these years, right? I've been pretty successful, but I have not I had nothing in real estate. I did one deal, it was like a minority deal, and then the, the two main guys got into a huge lawsuit in New York City. I'm like, I'm never doing another minority deal in real estate ever again, right? So um, I have a friend that uh, I've known for 20 years. He's been in construction with his family. I'm like, dude, let's um, let's 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 le- why don't you level up? Why don't, you, why, why don't we be developers, right? I'll I'll bring in the financing. I'll help you out with that. I'll bring my balance sheet to the table. Um, you do the rest, right? Like, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't have time for anything else, but I'll help you out wherever I can. And uh, he's like, all right, cool, let's, let's do it. And uh, I trust this guy with like, uh, you know, pretty much everything, which is very important in real estate. You know, it's very easy to get uh, kind of screwed over in that, in that space. Uh, contracts are not, no contracts. You know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, deal with, with legal issues. Um, <clears throat> with a partner in, in, in real estate. So anyway, so um, yeah, that's how it started. So we started, we made uh, the first acquisition, which I tweeted about in a thread, um, which was pretty cool. We broke a record in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, which is a pretty hot area next to like Williamsburg. That a lot of people are moving into now, nowadays, all the kind of hipsters, like VCs, tech guys, everybody who feels like, you know, Manhattan maybe is not that cool anymore um, are moving those areas. And yeah, we bought a piece of land. Uh, we knocked down the house. We put up a couple of uh, luxury townhouses and sold one for $4.25 million. Um, the, and I kept the second one because I just think these things are going to be worth five, six, seven million dollars in the coming years. Just the replacement cost alone, you know, with all the inflation, um, you know, just, just, just the materials are in the labor just so much more now than uh, they were when we started that project. So like, um, you know, the, the, the guy who bought the, the first house actually got a, a bargain. You got a great deal. Yeah. All right. So walk yeah. me through, we're going to pull up the photos of, uh, of this first project in Greenpoint here uh, in a second. But in terms of uh, how a deal like this comes together, I want people to actually get value out of understanding uh, real estate from a perspective of uh, kind of what you guys are doing. You, you bought the land, you basically clear it out, and then you go to build this. How long does that take? How much cost goes into this thing? And then how do you actually decide what you want to hold versus what you want to uh, go ahead and sell? This project was a little different because it was my first project. I did not want to take like bank financing. I didn't want to bring out, bring in outside investors. I wanted to like straighten everything out, get the process down, figure all those kinks out first before I go to anybody else, including a bank. Right. Uh, so this one was very easy. I financed the thing with, uh, with, with my, my partner, we bought the piece of land. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, the way we structured it is, uh, you know, it's an LLC that holds that, piece of land, that project, everything done in that specific project LLC. Um, and, um, uh, you know, we kind of, we, we didn't really, we, we, we built to sell, but, you know, you kind of have to watch the market and see what the market is telling you. So we kind of decided to keep the second unit after we, <clears throat> after we built everything. Um, but yeah, we like, we built to, to sell, you know, you, 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 you definitely have to project and estimate what your costs are going to be, you know, to buy the land and then the construction. Like, you know, as you know, there are hard costs and soft costs, uh, as the terminology goes. Hard costs being like what it actually takes to build the bricks and, and, and mortar and all that stuff. And then the soft costs that a lot of people don't realize how, how many costs there are in things like, uh, well, if you had a bank, you pay interest uh, or 
if uh, you know, like all the legal fees, all the you know, you gotta account for all the licensing fees. Like that house had like four different neighbors, five different neighbors. We have <clears throat> we even had to like make licensing deals with the neighbors just to get access to a bit of their property in order to be able to build our project properly. So you gotta like, uh, you know, you gotta project all those little nuances which add up really quickly. Got it. And then you had a tweet back in October that you said uh, one of the free lunches in real estate investing, if you know how to use it wisely, you're specifically talking about the 1031 exchange. And so walk through maybe a little bit as to how you think of that. Because I think real estate investing provides obviously very specific tax advantages that other asset classes don't. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why people really like to invest in real estate. How do you think about the 1031 exchange? Is that something that you guys are like, yeah, we definitely want to leverage that? Or is it more opportunistic if you find the right deals and, and kind of they line up, then you would use it? 1031 is definitely part of our strategy, strategy wherever we could use it. It's, uh, you know, there are a lot of like moving parts, trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, like an area like New York City, you have no idea how many people, you might know, I'm in Miami as well, uh, how many people are as, so acid rich because of 1031, right? They sit on all these properties that they accumulated all, all their lives, but they've never, they never really like cash out for that reason. Um, what 1031 allows you to do, uh, uh, maybe not obvious to many people, but uh, it's kind of like what you do in the stock market, right? If you buy a stock, like I love SPY, right? S&P 500 index. I, I buy that. I've been buying that for over a decade. I just buy and hold. I never sell, right? And it's essentially the same thing. If you never sell it, you never pay taxes. The difference with real estate is uh, you want to kind of move up and, um, and and buy something something else. And so what it allows you to do is just say, okay, I want to sell a property that has a lot of profit in it, right? But you could roll that profit into the next project and the government allows you to roll that profit into the next project until you sell that other project. You might not sell that next project or when you sell that project, you might have another bigger one that you 1031 and roll into. <clears throat> so a lot of people have been kind of rolling and rolling their profits for, man, probably decades uh, in some cases that, uh, so they never really pay, they just keep accumulating this uh, wealth and, and, and accumulating assets that have this huge baseline profit, but they never pay taxes on it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you can basically just continuously roll it forward, deal after deal after deal after deal, and you take what is maybe a smaller property or smaller investment, and you end up compounding it without having kind of the interruption of compounding via taxes that you would get if you were you know, switching in and out of stocks or, or pretty much any other asset. So it's definitely yeah, it's like it's like the government is the investor in your deals because you know you're not paying in taxes all these years, so it's free money. Yeah, I I completely agree. All right, you got another uh, set of tweets where you said if you're young skip the money managers. Their fees are not tax deductible. So it costs you a lot more than you think. Buy SPY index on a dip, never sell, borrow against it when you need the cash. And then you basically go on to talk about some places where people can do that. And then you also explicitly uh, kind of clarify. And when I say money managers, I'm not talking about funds. Fund fees are fully expensed to the funds. We're talking money managers that manage your money and take a fee generally half a percent to 2% depending on your portfolio. So we yeah. uh, we love to kind of give financial advisors and stuff a hard time on here. We obviously always say, look, there are some great financial advisors. You should maybe go talk to the people who are really, really good. Uh, but the average one probably isn't as good as uh, as people need. And so talk a little bit about this idea of the money managers and their fees. And like, why do you specifically call out that it's not tax deductible? Yeah, it was part of the Trump's um, tax um, plan. It wasn't Trump's. I'm sure that it was kind of pushed on by the 
more about the Democratic, Democratic Party than the, than the right. So uh, when the 2018 tax um, um, acts, act came out, what it did is they made, uh, man, I'm obviously like I'm not a tax advisor or anything. But Neither am I, of course. Yeah. Um, but they, they, the, 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 the new law is that you cannot write off uh, um, management fees. So if you're, you're with Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or with any of these guys who take a fee to manage your wealth, uh, it, it, it all of a sudden became non-deductible. So essentially, because the tax bracket I'm in and you're probably in, right? Like that means my fee just doubled because I can't, I can no longer write it off. So like it was, it was a point of this. I was already kind of managing the money in, in my um, Goldman account on my own in, in a way. They didn't really like it. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, so I just kind of, at that point, that was, I mean, they, they have, some, you know, these people have some of the, a lot of these uh, places have like some of the most, the smartest people yep. working there. But, you know, it's like at some point, the numbers just don't make sense to pay. Did you, so uh, did you pull your capital from uh, wherever, yeah. whichever bank you were? When you called, yeah. uh, talk to me about that phone call. Is that like an email you send, like give me my damn money back? Is that a phone call? You go to lunch and kind of wine and die them, then tell them, like, how does that work? Listen, I had a great relationship with them. I, and um, <clears throat> and uh, so I kind of told them, I was like, listen, I just, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, I've been kind of, um, you know, um, managing yourself. managing, but I've been kind of uh, directing them what to do with my money, even in my Goldman account. And um, so I'm like, listen, this is just the, this is just the, the, the nail on the, on the coffin, right? Like it doesn't make sense anymore. And uh, so it was, it was, it was a good conversation. I stay, stay, I still stay in touch with those money managers. Um, they're pretty cool. You know, they, uh, so it was, it was a pretty easy conversation, you know, uh, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe a smaller manager would have taken it differently. I don't know, but, um, but, but they, I think they have enough business from, from people. I, I recently was talking to one of these people that I would consider like super high quality, you know, top 1% in the world in terms of uh, uh, strategies, et cetera. And one of the things that they told me that blew my mind, uh, I asked them, I said, you know, what's one of the strategies that uh, only the ultra rich know, but uh, is available to everybody and a majority of your clients use it. And they blew my mind. They said, well, one of the things that a lot of these ultra rich people will do is they'll go and they'll buy a house with cash They'll then take out a mortgage against the house, but they'll actually take the mortgage money and not use it to buy anything because they already own the house. They'll go and they'll invest the capital. And then when they make the interest payments or the payments on the mortgage, it now is tax deductible because it is an investment interest payment rather than it being just for your primary residence. And so you're still securing the loan with the home, but you're not using it to purchase the home. You're making investments with it. And so I just, it was one of those moments where you're like, Yep. It makes complete sense when somebody explains it to you, but there's all these little things that the best in the world understand. They've seen it so many times, all their clients are doing this stuff. And it really does kind of separate, I think the best from kind of everyone else because they just understand this stuff to a degree that, uh, you know, m many others don't to some uh, extent. Yeah. It's a great strategy. Like I, it, it was cool when I, you know, I bought my first home, my second home, I, I never had a mortgage. I just bought them straight cash. And then I'm like, Damn, it's like these interest rates are like two and a half percent or whatever. You know, it's that's free money for ten years, like interest only. I'll take it. And um, you know, and, and the other thing you probably, uh, well, yeah, it was like the the average person uh, has a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar limit of how much they could deduct of interest against their home. But exactly, like if you're if you're using it as investment capital, which you and I probably are. Um, that is completely a business expense. So you don't have a limit. 
Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I found interesting was I saw uh, that you tweeted that you, in 2004, almost moved to Cayman Islands. Uh, and basically the idea was, um, you know, there's all these wealthy people right now, kind of over the last two years, they're all moving, right? So they're moving either to the low tax states. Uh, obviously there's places like Puerto Rico that have become very popular because the tax incentives uh, Cayman for a long time, uh, served as one of those incentives. Uh, but you also said, look, you had no offices, no employees, but lots of income taxes. And so uh, you thought about it, which I think think a lot of people, once they make a certain number, whatever that number is for them, they start to think, Hey, are there things I can do to optimize my income tax? Uh, but you'd have to give up your U S citizenship. And I think that this is a key thing that a lot of people forget is that U S citizens are taxed globally. And so many of the strategies that would be available to non U S citizens sound amazing, but even if you move there as a U.S. citizen, it doesn't matter. You're still getting taxed globally. And so you said, which I appreciated, you said for someone who was born in Soviet Union, that was a deal breaker. I'm not giving up my U.S. citizenship. So talk a little bit about the balance between like optimizing your financial life across whether it's moving or other things, but also the importance of like having the U.S. passport and U.S. citizenship. Yeah, listen, um, you, Americans get taxed no matter where we go. Uh, and America has reached everywhere, right? Like you can't get away from America. So um, yeah, to me, the decision was, I actually went out to Cayman, my, it just happens to be my friend was in med school over there and, uh, I got to hang out and like ch check out some places. I actually made a decision to, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm moving here. And then, so like, once I came back, started doing all my due diligence, talking to lawyers and all that good stuff, you're like, yeah, you know, you gotta, you know, get rid of, you know, no more U S citizenship. And that, I mean, to me, that was a deal breaker because, uh, I just do feel like, invest in America and I want to be part of this country because it still gives you the most flexibility to build things, grow things. Um, you know, you have all kinds of freedoms here. And, uh, and to me, you know, I have family here, a lot of family here. So that was, you know, in New York. So that was another thing, but I was not, it wasn't worth the money. Um, it wasn't the, at the time I would have saved a lot of money. Um, and, um, and actually I would probably today, but, uh, um, but it was, it just doesn't make sense. And like, you gotta make, you gotta balance that out and, uh, figure out what's best for you. And I, I'm very glad I didn't because, you know, I wouldn't be able, I probably wouldn't be able to build all these businesses that I did, um, over the coming years, right. That was 2004. We're talking about, um, I wouldn't be able to build all that, all the stuff that I built it if I wasn't, um, if I wasn't here. Got it. So John and Joe, what, uh, what questions do you guys have? Hey Val, how's it going? Um, my question would just be around like what you're what you're excited about, right? There's a bunch of new things going on in in 2022 as we roll into the new year, but like what businesses are you looking at for the next five to ten years that you're really trying to invest in? I'm trying to invest in, man. It's hard to answer that. You know how like everything is so inflated. Like I'm doing, I do a lot of angel investing. I do a lot of investing in general, and you know what you pay now for a seed or 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 Series A is like. Uh, it's hard to see where the multiples are going to come from, even if, from winners, right? So no matter what category you look at, it's very tough. Uh, to me, obviously, there's a there's a so much going on around crypto and NFTs, right? Um, I, I'm a pretty big believer in blockchain and crypto. I'm less so in under, like I'm not an artist, right? I don't and get art. I don't own expensive art. So to me, collectible NFTs, for example, like just don't make sense, right? Like they're monkeys. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, look, it's, it's, a uh, it's art in a way. Right. So, but I, I don't, so what I think though, um, there is this huge opportunity, what I call personally operational NFTs, right. A perfect example of one, I don't, I don't know many examples, unfortunately, but 
perfect example of one is Zedron. I don't know if any, any of you guys were yep. you know, came across Zedron, right? Um, that is something where, yes, you have an NFT, but the way I view it is like Zedron is a horse racing, um, I don't know, league or whatever, and, uh, and it's a platform. You could, you know, people could own horses. There are horses that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. There are horses that are worth a couple hundred bucks, and everybody could like race them. There are there are bloodlines. There are all these DNAs. There's like just like real horse racing. And, I, and by the way, I've never bet on horses in my life. I don't, you know, I've never been to a OTB or anything. Uh, but to me, that was a very interesting concept because you imagine, imagine like the way I see, like I own these some of these horses, and the way I view it is like if if this becomes a big thing, it becomes like the next, like the future NBA, I perpetually own a player in that league, right? But what if that goes to the next level, right? What if somebody sets up or whether it's NBA or somebody that just does something around basketball, let's just use basketball as an example, right? What if a player, just like a musician has masters and they could own those masters or they could sell those masters? What if, what if an athlete could, could have a master of themselves, right? And you could, if you have that master, like that player, if you own the player, you could play that player on an NBA court um, in the metaverse, right? So there's this, to me, that's more operational because there are, um, there are statistics and attributes and all that stuff involved. It's not just a collectible. It's like a, it's again, it's a, it's a very like a moving part and there's just so much so much so much activity going on but there's also money going um money that gets transferred and uh uh just like in the real nba but you kind of poured it into this metaverse that really has its own ecosystem so uh so it's it's a little more than just having like uh like i know gary v talks about like you know concert tickets right and and in, in turning them into nfts like this is beyond that because now you're taking taking um you owning a player inside a, a league yep yeah i like that something with more utility it sounds like yeah exactly yeah john what you got hey val nice to meet you congrats on all your yeah, john with an h yeah it's john with an h <laughs> no <laughs> you know um so i'm just curious what advice would you have for a young entrepreneur who has an idea and just wants to get started there are there's, there's so much right now. Listen, it's hard. It's it's really about following what you love about your passion, right? That's gonna like set you up for a long, long time. And if you're passionate about it, it's never gonna feel like work. To me, my work, my businesses, like it's it's. I feel like it's a hobby. I don't have any other hobbies. I I, I suck at that. That's like it sucks in my life. That my hobby is my businesses, right? Are my businesses. So. If you could find something that you like doing and turn that into a business, <clears throat> into a business, you will be way more successful um, uh, at it. You know, I could force things on people all day long if they don't have the passion for it. It's gonna fall apart. And it's not gonna be like it's not gonna be that effective. Um, so I mean, that, that's probably my 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 best advice. And like. Uh, I think the other thing is like your name, like your the ethics are extremely important. I, have, I was I was a kid making money, and um, you know I was like seventeen years, eighteen years old. I owed people that I owed like people that I made deals with. Uh, I had this one. It's like it's, an, it's a story, but like this guy lived outside of the U.S. Back in the days, I think we used like ICQ, 
And I owe the guy, you know, because I have to pay him $5,000 a month and I can't get a hold of him. He's not answering my SQs. He doesn't answer my, you know, instant messages or whatever. I can't find the guy. I owe him four months of like, you know, $20,000. I know he lives somewhere in Denmark or something. Dude, I chased that guy for four months to pay him, you know? And I would tell that to people. They're like, why are you chasing the guy to pay him? Like, let him, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll disappear and like, you'll forget about the 20,000 you own. And to me, they just, that wasn't me. Like, I, I just can't, I can't be that, right? Like, it, and, and that stayed with me forever. Like, just like, so, because your name and your credibility is extremely important. Because when you have a credibility and you're trustworthy, money will come to you. I promise. Because people want to give you that money uh, on their own um, um, and, and work with you. So over time, it just like pays the biggest dividends, in my opinion. That's great advice. Now, when you start to think about uh, building versus investing, how do you spend your time? Like what's your average day look like? I think that'd be fascinating for people to understand because you you basically, uh, I think of it as you have uh, multiple advantages in life. You've got an experience, you've got connections because of the experience that you've built and, and been doing this for so long. Uh, you've got a balance sheet and, and kind of capital that you can deploy. Uh, and then you also have like a, a knowledge and skill set. And so it, it, I kind of think of it like um, you show up, you're like, hey, I got all these weapons that I could deploy, but like how I do it and when I use each one of them becomes uh, a very important decision-making uh, process. So like, how do you think about your day, where you spend your time, and then also like building versus investing um, in, in terms of like what you actually do? Yeah, so most of my time today goes, um, I spend over 90% of my time on the company that I'm the CEO of. I'm, I'm a CEO of one company. Uh, I, I, I once was a, company, a CEO of three. It was a bad idea. I learned early on not to do that. Uh, you know, put the right people in place and don't micromanage them. Uh, I'm a CEO of one company called Jocalio. Uh, what 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 I wanted to focus on is, um, so I took a three-year break. I sold a couple of companies a, a bunch of years ago, took a three-year break, thought I'd like retired. I couldn't do it. And so I was like, all right, what can I build? And the, the, what I wanted to do is I wanted to look somewhere where I'm, I knew that it's a good chance that I'm going to I want to finance whatever I'm doing. So I wanted to go into some direction where I'm not going to get up against all these tech companies with unlimited VC dollars. I can't compete with that. Okay. Um, so what I was looking for is uh, an area that is not disrupted, very fragmented. And I kind of wanted to help the main street this time around. You know, most of my companies like mobile fuse included, work with like fortune 1000 companies who have multi-million dollar marketing budgets. Again, in this case is a mobile advertising company. And um, I want to do something with Main Street, right? Mom and pop. So like a lot of mom and pops out there do, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Um, so in that case, I came across uh, an industry that was extremely fragmented, was very far behind in terms of technology. And uh, uh, it's it's the it's independent jewelers, right? So I built a you know I decided to build a platform that will empower them, and I become part of that um, ecosystem. So for me, that was my you know thought process, right? Like I connected my personal situation, <coughs> financial yep. situation, who I want to compete against, and then I start deciding, okay start filtering down what categories I want to go. Uh, so I had some of my own filters in terms of what kind of business that I, that I want. So I came across like, again, to me, it was a $300 billion industry that uh, like is up, 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 uh, up for, but it's very complicated. And I, I can guarantee you like 
companies don't want to, uh, or VCs don't like to you know, invest into companies like that because it's just so complicated, so many moving parts. And I'm not talking about doing e-commerce and anything like that. Um, so, so that's, that's, uh, and that's why I spend most of my time. My day, uh, is I have strangest days. Like you made me wake up early today. What? Right? Yeah. I call myself the lazy entrepreneur, right? Like it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think I'm lazy to be honest with you, but, uh, I, I like to call it because I wake up whenever I feel like it. Right. But, but it's also because from some, from my childhood, I, I like to go to sleep late. Like, so a lot of people wake up early. Right, they wake up five in the morning. They do they do, they do the gym and like they do all their like good work in the morning. I'm the opposite. I do it in the morning, but before I go to sleep. So <laughs> I'm, my 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 average time um, time to go to bed is like four five a.m. in the morning. Wow. And yeah, and, and I got better. Like I, I I had another company that was very international <clears throat> that I sold. And I would know to go to sleep when I hear the birds chirping and the lights out, um, you know, and that would be like 6, 6.30 in the morning. And dude, at 3 a.m., I probably had a Red Bull and, and hot dogs, you know, just to power myself through the night. <laughs> All yeah. right. So, I, I so throw an occasional wake- cup, of, cup of noodles in there. So let's say that you wake up at like 12, 1 o'clock, when, you know, whenever you end up waking up. What, what do you do between then and like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning when you go to sleep? Yeah, so like depends on the day, right? If I wake up, if I go to sleep four, I try to get my seven hours. I wake up at eleven. Um, you know, I I I go straight into <clears throat> work, emails, all that. You know, I'm I'm usually already like seeing a bunch of WhatsApps, you know, from all all the all my all my teams. And it's it's funny. I think that they kind of know when I mean, the, the second you're online and they see the little vowels online thing. I get all the messages start coming in through WhatsApp, you know. Um, yeah, so a lot of it is just kind of like block and tackle. Um, any issues come up, you got to deal with it. And so during a day, I spend most of my time just kind of focusing on operations. But it's at late night, like that's after, you know, everybody goes to sleep, nobody's emailing you, nobody's calling you. That's when my work is really gets, gets done. Like I could think about things um, and come up with ideas, come up with strategies, um, formulate things, you know, whether, whether I have to put together a... Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, like a, a little pitch for the for the team on. So, and do you have yeah, at, at the holding company level? Do you have just you, and then each individual team is kind of built out for each individual company, or do you also have like you plus an operations person plus like a finance person at the holding company level? Like, how do you think about that? No, I don't. I don't have anybody. Uh, so, I mean, I have like uh, uh, external teams, like accountants, yep. my CPA firm, my lo- like I have multiple law firms. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I have that, those teams, I don't have anybody like at the holding company full time. I probably should at some point, And, you know, that's something I am looking into, uh, but, uh, each and every company has its own CEO has its own teams. I don't, I don't micromanage the CEO. Um, because, you know, even if I want to, I, I've learned to stay, stay, stay away from doing that. You know, you gotta, you gotta like, if you trust that person to run that operation, you gotta let them, let them do their job. Got it. And so I don't like, I don't like to, um, micromanage. So I, I, I speak to my, speak to my CEOs and my partners, like maybe once uh, a week, uh, in each company. 
And then my understanding is like, you think about the holding company as like you own these businesses. Do you think about your investing activities, et cetera, as uh, like a family office as separate or as part of the holding company? And, and what I'm trying to uh, help people understand here is uh, the idea of a family office. I think a lot of folks aren't quite familiar with how to think about that. Uh, and so like anything that you can kind of share in terms of how you think of either structure or like the difference between when your money was with other money managers versus you managing it yourself and more of like a family office type structure. Yeah, it's, it, in a way, I am kind of like a one-man family office, right? Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be pretty comfortable with tech, so I can be very efficient at, at doing it. And yep. again, also pretty blessed to just understand finance and, um, you know, kind of like a bit, I learned a lot about operations and taxes and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> over, the, over the years. Um, so, yeah, I, I think at some point you kind of, out, you know, you outgrow that. I would love to at one at one point in my life to have a small family office that handles a lot of the, the nuances, but uh, I'm not there yet. So, you know, I think, I think I'm okay for now. And uh, I, I can, actually like, I like the, the, the excitement and uh, of uh, managing my, my stuff, you know, if you just, you know, to answer your question about, uh, you know, when I had the, 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 the money manager. So the money manager is really manages, managing just one part. Initially, I got them because I'm not good with bonds, right? Like uh, I wanted to have a, a municipal bonds and they were pretty good at managing munis. At one point, I just kind of got out of munis and, and you know, and then, and then uh, because I had my own credit fund, it made, you know, I just moved that money into my own credit funds. So I manage a lot of money outside of Goldman even when I had them. Um, but, uh, you know, it was actually a great decision, uh, you know, forget about taxes, because that decision was made in like 2019, when I pulled out from from um, my money managers and, and COVID hit early 2020. And I already sold down a bit of things. I just felt that the market actually was literally selling equities. Uh, not everything, but I was selling any, anything I could without taking too much of a tax hit or capital gains uh, January and February before COVID. Like literally, I, was sell I, I finished selling a week before COVID hit. And, uh, and then when, once COVID hit, I was like, I was waiting for that moment for years and years and years and years because has, there hasn't been a dip for such a long time. Uh, at that point, I just went all in. I used up all my margin. I mean, I, I put everything in, in, into, the, into the stock market in March when, you know, you're seeing, but, you know, but you got to be like ready for that because on the screen, you're seeing a, you're losing seven figures a day. And uh, if, I, if, this, if this wasn't my third rodeo, I guess, you know, because the first one was the dot-com bubble. The second one was the Great Recession. So I've seen this show already, right? I was not phased about it. All I was thinking, was, thinking about is like, what do I get the capital to buy more on March 17, March 18, March 19? I was buying every freaking day. Um, so actually, that was a great, great, you know, the fact that I wasn't with a money manager was amazing because I wouldn't be able to move as fast if, if I had a, 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 I had to deal with a money manager at the time. Yeah. Makes, uh, makes complete sense. Um, it, it's fascinating to kind of see what you've built and, uh, and how you operate on a daily basis. Uh, you guys got any other questions? No, I'm impressed. Thanks Val for coming on. What, Val, yeah, where can we send, yeah. where can we send people, uh, to find you on the internet, send them to your uh, Twitter account. Is that the best place or somewhere else? Uh, Twitter, I like all my companies are on LinkedIn as well. Uh, so link, LinkedIn is, a is a, you know, a, you could, you could, yeah, Twitter is amazing. Great as well. I mean, I know you guys are big on Twitter, so I'll say Twitter. 
<laughs> All right, I'm dropping uh, I'm dropping your uh, Twitter account right now in the uh, in the chat for anyone who uh, who's interested. Go uh, go check them out and make sure you follow them there, uh, dude. Listen, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. This is uh, this is awesome. We definitely should uh, should bring you back as uh, you kind of continue. I think that uh, you got a lot of stuff to uh, to teach people, and uh, it's pretty cool to see what you built. So, uh, congrats on all the success, and uh, we'll definitely do it again soon. Appreciate it. You guys keep going at it too, man. You just guys, you guys bring so much um, knowledge. We got to move the show later in the day so you watch it. So you're not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I watch it, uh, you know, the reruns. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. All right. You have a good day. All right, guys. Later.